What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Pile it up over there, that's what I do. Oh, you're, you're, some of yours are fine? No, oh, that's that ain't there. over there. Stuff. Gotcha. That's all there. I pile it over there just to get it out of my way. Because they leave it right here. You're acting like me, hitting the microphone. Well, I hit the mic. Okay. Okay. So, today's episode is the episode where Ken does not get his bees. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but... We do have everything pretty much lined out, and I think we've got you and uh, a couple of the other individuals that are out there by you mm-hmm. set up for this coming Saturday the 11th, mm-hmm. so you will be getting your bees then, mm-hmm. which probably means that we will be discussing bees on that following Monday, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes, if okay. we can get it all edited by then. Sounds like a winner to me. Yeah, so instead of talking about Ken getting his bees, um, we're going to talk about feeding your bees. So Feed this, your bees. This will be the Feeding Your Bees, the Spring and Summer Edition, and we'll do a separate edition in the fall for uh, fall feeding because that is different. Well, with what's going on right now, the much rain as we've having here lately, uh, all the, your nectar's being washed out of the flowers. Yeah, that that's actually true. So mm-hmm. we just had torrential downpours last night and flooding and stuff all across the area so you know today the sun's shining it's beautiful tomorrow's supposed to be beautiful as well but the bees themselves won't be able to get any nectar until you know maybe sometime tomorrow if not monday and that's assuming it doesn't rain again between now and then so Uh, they're saying rain every day the rest of the week yep the rain when it does come down it does wash the nectar out of the flowers and it can take that flower up to 48 hours to generate new nectar. So you can have seasons where there's plenty of rain and plenty of flowers everywhere, but not actually any food for your bees. And for those of you who have just gotten bees, um, that process right now, technically you'd be right in the middle of that time period. So most people start getting them around April 15th, and that goes up through May 15th-ish. Um, you have a few that sneak in a little bit earlier and, and some that you know slowly come out a little bit later, some stragglers and stuff. But this time period right now is where people are getting their nukes. Uh, most people should have already gotten their packages. Those usually come out first. And when you first get your bees, regardless if it's a nuke, a package, or even a swarm, you're going to want to feed them, and you're going to want to feed them a lot. But there's a lot of contradictions that come into play When you start talking about feeding your bees, you're going to see some things that say, you know, just feed them as much as they can take constantly. Mm -hmm. And that is true, but that is true only up to a certain point. And after that, you need to start cutting back. And there's Don't want fat bees. Well, no, uh, the bees won't get any fatter. (laughs) But the colony, their food stores will get so fat that they no longer have any place for the queen to lay eggs. Okay. So you can actually shoot yourself in the foot. We've had individuals, you know, before that'll tell me, well, you know, I got this nuke and it was five frames and I've been feeding it a gallon a week and it's only six or seven frames and, you know, we're six months in coming into winter and I can't figure out what's wrong with it. It's just tiny. Well, it's tiny because you're feeding it a gallon a week and (laughs) they take all that sugar syrup and they fill it with all the cells. They fill that with the sugar syrup and then there's no cells open for the queen to lay eggs. So you've restricted her So she has to wait that full brood cycle for brood to hatch out and then try to get eggs in there. 
We should <laughs> we should start doing like almost like a drinking game, but mm-hmm. not every time Ken's phone splashes during mm-hmm. an episode. <laughs> Just like, that was an email. That wasn't a text. That wasn't a text. No, that was a text an email. is a turkey. That's the turkey call. Yes, yeah, the turkey gobble 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 gobble. Uh-huh. gobble gobble and curse splash. <laughs> um, side note, tangent. Uh, yeah, so. You know, it can be a double-edged sword. You do want to feed them. You've got to feed them so that they will be drawing out new comb. But if you feed them too much, then there's nowhere for the queen to lay. If there's nowhere for the queen to lay, no new babies are coming in, which means the colony size is shrinking, that mortality rate's catching up. And it also means there's not enough new bees to be able to draw wax. And you need both of those things to actually get your colony to grow. You need bees that have emerged that are about a week and a half old, Mm -hmm. and you need a steady supply of sugar syrup or nectar to get them to draw that wax. I got a question. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I probably ought to move this question to the end of the segment, but I'm going to put it in right here. This is how, where it made me think about it. <laughs> I, I have been putting frames together. Boy, is that a tedious I have job. natural <laughs> colored frames, the, the plastic, mm-hmm. and I have black. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I wished I had black on both of them, but I don't. I just have the natural's going to be harder to see eggs. Correct. And that is why they do the different colors of the plastic foundation is due to the dark, the black. Mm-hmm. You can see the eggs in the bottom of it better. Makes it a little bit easier on mm-hmm. people if they have difficulty finding them. Um, the yellow, you can still do it. The white, the white no. plastic, it's very no. hard to see mm-hmm. it on the bottom of the white. But you can you can do either of them, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, Pamela and I were having that discussion out at the bee yard uh, the other day. I, you that day you tried to call and I couldn't get answered. Mm-hmm. That's where we were at again. Yep. I was laughing because I was like, I'm going to answer the phone, and he's going to be hearing bees everywhere again. Yep, and I did. <laughs> yep. But she has like she had an entire box of black frames, and they were in a medium, and she had intended them to go into the brood chamber. Uh, and she was like, oh man, I, I grabbed the wrong box. Like this one's not a honey box. And I'm like, well, why not? Well, it's got the black foundation in it. And I'm like, so (laughs) she's like, well, but I wanted the black foundation for the brood. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that because it is easier to see the Mm -hmm. eggs. But I mean, as far as like, if you, if that was all that was available and you got that, there's nothing that says, oh, this can just be in your brood box or this can just be for this. You can use it for whatever you want, but it does make it easier to see the eggs inside there. Now, on the brood box, here I am taking off to a different direction because <laughs> you just put it, put me that away. On, do you raise brood in your medium boxes on Langstroth? She does sometimes, yeah. Okay. So you've got, we tell everybody that, that a basic setup is the deep. Deep and a ma- and medium. And then once they fill out the deep, which mm-hmm. you want them to get 90% of that full, that mm-hmm. means that every single frame inside there except for the outer two frames, one on each side basically, is completely drawn out, meaning they've pulled the wax all the way out to the mm-hmm. edges of the frame and they've got full comb there. And then those last two, they may have started on the inner side of it, mm-hmm. but not the outer side. And what you do is you pick up those outer two frames and you turn them so now the blank side is facing in mm-hmm. and you put them right back where you got them, then you can add your new box to the top. If you go and you just stack everything up, mm-hmm. the bees will do what's called chimneying. Well, they're, they'll build straight up the middle, and they won't really fill out any of the frames on the sides. They'll just okay. do like two or three right up the middle. So you wait till that first box is 90% full. Then you put your new box on, and when they get that one 90% full, you put another box on, and whatever size of boxes that you're using is completely fine. If it's all deeps, if it's all mediums, if it's deeps and mediums mixed— you know, your beekeeping is your deal that it, it can work no matter what. But in your situation, what you're talking about, 
you've got your deep and your medium. Say they make it through that in the first year, mm -hmm. they get all that built out. Well, at the end of that year, they now have food stores in the top. The bees are down in the bottom. They're going to spend all winter slowly eating their way up to the top of the box. Right. In the beginning of spring, now they're all at the top of the box. She's going to start laying, and she's going to lay eggs all the way down. Okay. So you will end up with brood in both the medium and the mm -hmm. deep. And if you, for some reason, did add on another medium, she very well may lay in that one, too. And yeah. I don't stop her. I don't put a queen excluder in mm -hmm. there because the more she can lay, the bigger your colony is. So yeah, the more, more space she and has, the more the bees you have to work. Then. That's right. And mm -hmm. that means the more honey you can potentially get yeah. because the more foraging. So, but to get to that point, you've got to feed them. They mm -hmm. have to have the resources to draw that out. So you guys are going to find lots of things online that tell all kinds of different recipes, different setups. And we mentioned this in the, the like spring is coming episode where we talked about nectar. Don't beat yourself up on like, is it one pound to one pound? Is it one volume to one volume? Do you go by weight? Do you go by one size? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter. And you even have people out there that are like, oh, but if you take a quart jar of sugar and a quart jar of water there's actually more water than there is sugar because the sugar's granulated and there's air pockets around all that Tough. so your volume's off well that's actually probably better because nectar is actually 85 percent or higher water mm -hmm. and the last little bit of that 15 20 percent is sugar mm -hmm. but every single flower produces a different amount in different types of sugars and at different times of the year, that same flower can produce thicker or thinner nectar because of the moisture content and, and the heat and everything. So it actually, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Well, yeah. So you don't have to worry about making it exact for the bees because nature doesn't make it exact either. So I tell, uh, my thing is, if you're going to do it, just basically just do a one-to-one. -one. Do one size of a container of sugar to one size of a container of water, mix it together. Now, your water does need to be warm or hot. And if you're just doing like a mason jar size, mm -hmm. um, it would end up being, if you did it all in one thing, you would fill the jar about three quarters to about 80% full of sugar. And then you're going to start filling it with hot water. And if your tap water gets hot enough, you can just fill it straight up out of the tap. Put the lid on it, shake it, and then top it off with water again and then shake it until it's all dissolved. That would be a, a rough one-to-one -one mixture, and you can do that pretty easily. Yeah, if you're making a larger batch, it's easier to actually heat the water because it will dissolve the sugar quicker. Or there are a lot of people out there that I say they cheat. Um, they take a drill mm -hmm. and they hook a paint mixer on it, and they'll Start. do an entire five-gallon bucket at a time. And they have that just to go and, and stir. The water doesn't even necessarily have to be hot in that respective because eventually yeah, with all the moisture yeah. or the, the mixing, it'll eventually go through and dissolve in there. So, But your one-to-one, one-to-one ratio, yep. that's what you're feeding in the spring. That mimics the nectar flow. That goes through and gets them to start drawing out that. Now, then you come back into the, well, how much do I feed? And how do I feed? So you've actually brought in this this interesting looking little jar. This is a first for me. I've never seen this before. Um, you have mason jars, mm -hmm. and they will have lids that have holes perf uh, perforated in the top of mm -hmm. them, and they basically get inverted on a entrance feeder, a boardman feeder, mm -hmm. or some inner covers have the round hole for the jar that yeah. you can insert there. This jar that you brought in has... I mean, it kind of reminds me of like a chicken feeder without the mm -hmm. nozzle on the end of it. It's got this yellow hard plastic nipple mm -hmm. that comes out of the center of the jar. And then in the center of the nipple, they've actually got a 
basically like a wick. A wick, right? Yeah, that runs down through there. And so this one is intended for one of the top feeders mm-hmm. that is... You set it on top of your feeder. Yeah, you set it on top of uh, the half. inner cover. Mm-hmm. So your inner cover, there's two types. There's one that has the oval slit, and then there's yep. one that has a round slit. The round slit is made for a mason jar, and you can set that over it. You can do the same thing with the oval slit as well, just set it over the top. But then this little nipple extends down into the colony, Mm -hmm. and the wick will help pull the moisture down through there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure with the design, because like I said, I've never even seen this, but it's an interesting concept. I'll be interesting to see how it works. Well, you got one try. Oh, you're sending that home with me? That's yours. Oh, hey, look at that. I got a gift. Put it in there tomorrow. (laughs) Or not. This afternoon, and you tell me. <laughs> Today's going to be a nightmare, so yeah. um, it'll probably be tomorrow. We've got removals back to back to back, so I get to leave the studio, jump in the truck, and drive an hour north of Austin to go cut bees out of a guy's house. Uh, how many how many swarms he got in there? Just one swarm. Just one? One, yeah, and it actually, it was a newer one. The swarm just moved in, he said, last week, and he was hoping to try to get him out of there sooner, but weather and everything else really hadn't quite cooperated, and then... We even thought with the storms coming through, uh-oh, not going to so happen. So they have, they have probably got some comb there. They do. Yeah. yeah. So when the swarm leaves, they do gal- or gorge themselves on as much nectar mm-hmm. and honey as they can take from their original colony. So they're primed and ready to build that wax. And they move in, and they start immediately. And then in a week, they can draw out three or four good-sized comb right off really? the bat because they have to have that to go. Right. So, and that's the same thing that we're wanting your colony to do is mm-hmm. to to draw it out as quick as they can. So... If you've started with a package, we'll start at that because they have no furniture, no nothing. If you can get a frame or a piece of comb from another beekeeper that's empty and put it in there, that helps your package. It encourages them to stay and it gives them something immediately to start laying eggs in and putting food in. If you don't have that opportunity, though, if it's not an option that's available to you, Mm -hmm. that's fine. You can go through and you start feeding. Now, if you did buy one of the top feeders that will hold gallons or you right. have one of the inner feeders that goes in the frame, um, I do not like the inner feeders, by the way. They they just they drown more bees than not. You have to buy the kind that has the insert in the top with the little mesh funnels that go down into the, the actual uh, feeder. Because if you don't, if you just have the black feeder itself... There's nothing to keep the bees from piling on top of themselves, and they will drown their sisters, basically using them as something to stand on. So um, I don't really like those. And then once they're done, once they run out, well, now you've got a void in there, and they'll a lot of times they'll build comb down inside that. And if they do, just leave it, because then you can refill it with sugar, and at least they now have something to stand and crawl on. Uh, but they're, they're, they're just not my favorite thing. But anyhow, so you start off with your package. You can feed them as much as they will take, for the first week or two. And the whole point of that is you want to make sure they've got plenty coming in for them to start drawing out comb. But Mm -hmm. once they've drawn out, say, two bars in a top bar or two frames in your Langstroth, then you want to change your plan a little bit. You don't want to continually keep feeding that, you know, like a gallon a week kind of scenario. You want to, yeah, you want to cut it back. Cut it back to, use your mason jar as a good visual, cut it back to one quart every three days. And the point of that is anytime you feed your bees, and it doesn't matter how big they are, you put that quart jar out there and you watch it. You might put it out there today and tomorrow it's bone dry. They didn't drink it. They didn't use it. They put it up. They moved it. Yeah, Yeah, they moved it into the comb and they stored it. Mm -hmm. So if you feed them one jar, they drink it today, but you wait three days, that gives them time to at least process some of that before you give them the next jar. Now, ultimately, you should be checking your beehive. You should get into it and you should actually... 
look and see, do I still have like solid frames of open liquid in the frame, in the comb? If I do, I should not feed again. I should wait until they've used up most of that liquid so that there's always open space for the queen to go through and lay. Okay. Once you kind of really get on that roll, you, you'll cut back to where you're doing just like one jar a week. And then when the nectar flow really picks up and starts going, you can stop feeding entirely. But if it's a package, you may still want to supplement feed and just watch them. They may get to where they're only drinking half the jar in a week or they may not even touch it. If that's the case, they've got plenty of their own natural food coming in. Stop feeding. You'll resume feeding during the summer dearth in August and or July and August. And then, you know, you'll just kind of keep moving forward from there. Now, you don't want to put color or you don't want to make it red like we do for hummingbirds or nothing like that. Just water and sugar and that's it. Correct. There's lots and lots and lots of sugar in the world. Oh, yeah. And I would say this is the one time that you'll actually hear somebody say use the plain white granulated yeah, plain table white sugar. sugar. Um, the other sugars do have other additives to them, like yep. powdered sugar has stuff in it. You don't want to use that. Mm -hmm. uh, beet sugar, uh, sugar in the raw, all of that has additives. And they say, oh, it's all natural. Yeah, but they've actually, some of that, like brown sugar, they mix molasses into mm -hmm. it. They do other things to kind of give it, or maple, um, you know, to give it that taste and flavor and color. You don't need all that inside the sugar syrup. You want it to be clean and pure. But there are additives you can add in there. And this gets into a little bit more finesse when you start building your stuff. What it actually ends up being is you can do, you can add electrolytes. You can add a little bit of a citric acid like a lemon or even a apple cider vinegar. And you can add in pre and probiotics that are specifically for the bees. Mm -hmm. And all of that stuff can be added into the, the sugar syrup. And that actually does good because in nature, that nectar, it's going to have amino acids. It's going to have um, vitamins and minerals and things in it. It's not literally just sugar and water. So you can mix some of this stuff in there. What we do is we go to our local feed store. We go down to Callahan's and we get a thing of the electrolytes and it's a yellow liquid. And then we'll put just like a cap full of that into an entire quart jar. And then we can also do the apple cider vinegar. The point of that is that actually has some pre and probiotics naturally occurring in it. But it also starts changing the acidity of the sugar syrup to make it closer to what the acidity of honey would be. And so that kind of helps the bees break it down and store it easier. Okay. And that one you would just do like a teaspoon to a quart. Uh, at the most, not really anything more than that. What about the the honey cakes? The the I don't know what I saw something that, that you buy it by the by the by, by the box or or and it was a wafer that they put on top of the. What There's, is that? Is there that are for, a couple of different more for ones? winter time. Yeah, really. There there so there are a couple of different things. One of them is a pollen patty. And it, it's a, uh, yeah, it does kind of have the color of, of honey. It's a mm -hmm. dark brown or mm -hmm. amber colored, and it's like silly putty. I mean, it's a thick consistency or Play-Doh kind of. And it is usually an artificial pollen substitute that is okay. derived from soy protein and some other grains that are ground up and powdered. And they mix it with a little bit of sugar syrup yeah. and make this malleable patty out of it. And it needs to be pretty moist. If you live in the northern states... You can get away with doing that, but the bees won't touch it if there's natural pollen occurring around okay. them. So if you do live down south with us and you put it in there and there's pollen out there and the bees don't touch it, you've provided a smorgasbord buffet for your hive beetles. 
and the hive beetles will start eating it and laying their larvae in it, and then you'll have thousands of hive beetle larvae that you got to deal with. And so it's I don't necessarily recommend okay. those. So that's that's more for yeah. up north. That would be we'll talk about that again okay. in the fall. Um, yeah. You do want to necessarily feed them if there's not pollen available. Feed them pollen in the summer dearth or, or leading up to the fall to help bolster them for winter. But in the spring, usually you don't need to do that. Some people will do a pollen feeding early, early, like late winter, early spring before spring truly starts just to get the colony up and going. Mm -hmm. What I like to do, though, is the pollen powder. So you can get that same mixture, but in a powder form instead of in the patty Mm -hmm. form. And you can put it in an open feeder. And if they need it, they will go forage and find it. And they'll frolic and roll in it just like they do natural pollen. They'll roll it up, put Mm -hmm. it under their little pollen patches and take them back into the colony with them. So that's what I do if I if I do it. I do the actual open dry feed. Um, they do make sugar camps and uh, brick candy, things like that, that are just sugar and kind of solidified that you can put in to feed as well. But again, that solid sugar, that's more of an emergency winter food source, and, and that'll be something we talk about for the fall feeding. In the spring and the summer, stick with your liquid one-to-one sugar just white cane sugar. White cane sugar. Yep. Don't get fancy. Don't yep. think you want to get your, your bees some vegan beet sugar or something mm-hmm. like that. Because, one, uh, the beet sugar is higher in the GMOs, and it's not just pure sugar. It's got other stuff in it. That What it can it basically end up doing is if you feed the bees too much other like solids that mm-hmm. are dissolved down into that solution then if they can't relieve themselves, so like if we have a week worth of rain and they can't mm-hmm. get out and relieve themselves, it can basically give them their version of dysentery. So they can end up getting diarrhea and all kinds of stuff. And if there's any diseases, well, then that starts spreading it through the colony because then they start making a mess and it's not a pretty sight. So the the simple table sugar is the best thing to do on that. There you go. That was easy enough. That was easy. <laughs> Get those. Get these. Get these cool little things. Yeah. So you're, we could talk real quick just about the different types of feeders. Oh, well, I've, I've got those, and I've got, oh, I've got been saving my pickle jars, uh-huh. the, the quart ones. And then I take, knock three holes in the top of them, and I'll lay me a one-by-two or a two-by-two, and then just set those on top of them. So, and then you put that over your your inner cover, where the hole comes up, they come up, they smell it. Yep. It's like, yeah. All right, then I also got the one that you screw it on there and it falls down and they crawl into the little hole and they go up in them. That's one you told me to get. Yeah, the entrance feeder. So yeah. your different feeders, you've got the Boardman feeder, which is also called an entrance feeder, mm-hmm. and it is designed primarily for a Langstroth hive to slip in the very front of the hive. Now, you'll have people out there that'll tell you, oh, no, 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 don't do that. It encourages robbing. It does all this bad stuff. If you do it correctly, just like anything, it actually works great. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a visual where you can tell, have they taken the honey, have they not, or the, the sugar syrup, mm-hmm. or have they not. Uh, the Boardman feeder, it slips into the front. What you would need to do is you'll have to have a modified entrance reducer, because the one that comes with it is going to be big and take up the whole space. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to cut you another entrance reducer that is the same dimensions, but not as long. Okay. And you want to put in the, the entrance feeder on the far side. And then it's butted right up against the edge of your bottom board. Have it inserted all the way so there's no openings around it. And then you take that new entrance reducer and you butt it up right against the side of the feeder. So you've made it solid. 
and then you leave yourself just a tiny, no bigger than two inches opening on the complete opposite side from where your entrance feeder is. That's how you use those. If you slip it in and you leave the front all the way open or you have an entrance right beside it, yes, you can encourage robbing. You can encourage wasps and other things to yeah. try to come and get in there. So you have to make it to where if anything tries to get in, they've got to go in the opposite side and fight their way all the way across, which they're not going to be able to do. Okay, on the bottom board. Now here I'm going to change something up, going to a different line. Bottom boards. Do you want painted? Do you want it treated? Do you want just plain wood? Yes, no. <laughs> plain wood, anything that is going to be facing the interior of the colony mm -hmm. and constantly exposed to the hive, I would say always leave it as raw wood. Okay. But you can paint the outsides and the bottom mm -hmm. to help protect it from the weather that it's going to experience on those surfaces. Okay. So if you're painting your Langstroth boxes... You paint the surface, the face of every side of the box, but you do not paint the top paint edges yeah. Yeah. because if you do, it's gonna run into you're gonna bottom. you're gonna learn mm -hmm. what propolis is real quick because the bees are gonna put it everywhere and they will glue the boxes together no matter what. But if you've got paint there and then the paint gets the moisture, the paint can fuse together and it's just another heartache yeah. that you've got to go through and do. And then as paint rips off, well now the box doesn't set level. Um, so don't paint the actual edges where the wood touches wood mm -hmm. when you stack your boxes. Just the flat surface faces of the box. That's it. And never to the inside, never the interior. Okay. Uh, so, okay, your entrance reducer that, or your entrance feeder, mm -hmm. that's one. Mm -hmm. Now, the entrance feeder is amazing in a top bar hive. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't have an entrance that you can slip mm -hmm. it in in most of those. What you do is you put it in the very back inside the top bar hive, and it becomes an inner feeder. So you have your Boardman feeder, you invert the jar in it, and you stick it in the very back of the colony. If you have ventilation holes or anything, some hives are made with vent holes in the bottom back right. there, cover them up because you don't want that sugar feeder right on top of it, letting the smell out and attracting things to your colony. Yeah. So cover those up. Yeah. And then you put that feeder in there, the bees will go back, they'll get what they need, and it's at the far back. So anything that tries to get in there has to fight its way through the entire colony to get mm -hmm. to it. So you're pretty good on that regard. Now, sometimes, depending on if it's 17-inch or 19-inch top bar, sometimes those won't fit correctly. So you may have to reduce your jar size and maybe put two what pint jars Something to equal like your yeah. one quart mm -hmm. yeah. because the height may not be quite right. Yep. Now, what you had mentioned about the sticks, you can do that as well. You can take almost like shims basically, or, or right. a little bit thicker than a paint stirrer. And you can put those down as just two little platforms and then set the jar on top of it. And that will reduce the height of the jar a little mm -hmm. bit and sometimes make it work, but you can do that. So I like the entrance feeder definitely for the top bar for sure. Um, the Mason jar itself can be used like we talked about in conjunction with your inner cover and it can be an inner feeder but it goes on like basically like a top feeder so it's going to go on top of that inner cover mm -hmm. and then what you would want to do if you do that is you need to put an empty box on top around it to protect it from wind and sun and critters that could come and try to knock it over and actually seal your hive back up so you would do an extra empty box then the lid and that just protects your jar the other versions are, like we said, the frame feeder. And then if you are using a frame feeder, you can run into a challenge where if it's a deep frame feeder and you're going to do a deep medium setup, once they've filled up that deep, now you put the medium on there. Well, that means if you go to feed them again, the medium always has to come off to go through and use that. Mm -hmm. 
You can also buy a medium frame feeder, but if you put a medium frame feeder in a deep box, they may draw comb on the bottom of it because there's a void down there. Right. So you could end up with these little compatibility issues either way on that. And then the last one is the actual top feeder, which is a double trough, basically, that can hold something ridiculous, like over two gallons yeah, of sugar Yeah, two syrup. gallons, two to three yeah, gallons. Yeah, it's like a gallon on each side or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you can do those as well, but just because it holds that much doesn't mean you should feed them that much. No, you could do it so. when they're a package, or you could do maybe a gallon the very first time you put in your nuke, but then once they've used all that and they burn through it in their comb, switch back to just the quart at a time because you want it to be a steady, constant flow, mm -hmm. not a reserve or a reservoir. You you want there to be room for that queen to grow. She mm -hmm. can't grow and lay. Your colony can't grow. They won't draw new wax. That's just how it works. It's It's a fine balancing act with everything. Of course, just like us. I think they do better than we do. <laughs> I think they do too. <laughs> but now on uh, on on the top, the big top, the whole two or three gallons. Mm -hmm. uh, I had saw one where the guy took and would put hell screen over the middle, where they're going to come up through the through the inner cover, through the hole, and they come up and crawl over and then. They won't stack each other up and yeah. drown each other. Most so he's those, putting hell screen on there or something. Most of those top feeders like that mm -hmm. should come that way. Okay. They should come with a, a wire mesh that basically separates the bees from the syrup and from yep. the rest of the chamber. Yep. But what I have noticed a lot of times, Pamela uses a lot of those early in the spring. And every time you open up the lid, there are dead bees in the feeder. And she kept saying, I don't know how they keep getting in there. My theory is that they're not getting in from inside. Mm -hmm. They're getting in from under the lid because that lid doesn't set as flush on that feeder as right. it does on the inner cover. Right. And so I think they're getting in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really know necessarily how to solve that other than maybe because you, you can do inner cover, top feeder, and then lid. That's the normal setup. You could do no inner cover, just put the top feeder over the bees, but then they're likely to draw wax out on it. Or you could do get you an extra inner cover. Do inner cover, top feeder, inner cover, lid, and that might help that top of the inner feeder mm -hmm. seal better to the lid, mm -hmm. and then they won't necessarily get in there. But, yeah, they, they've got a screen. They come up through the middle of it. There's two basins on either yep. side, and they can come over the screen and then drink. Yep. Yeah, that type of thing does work better, and you don't usually find a lot of, like, dead bees in that screen area. I think the jar is going to be the area. best. It's it's easier to manage it's a and monitor. A whole lot easier. It's cheaper too. Yeah. Mason jars aren't too expensive, and no. the, the entrance feeder might cost you like ten bucks. And if you get mad, you can always throw one, listen to it crack, <laughs> bust. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can be like me, and you can Fiddle stick a jar full of honey, full of honey in, in your <laughs> yeah. backpack, uh -huh. walk in the studio, and swing the backpack off your shoulder. Uh -huh. The jar flips out, and it yeah. makes a very sickening. Oh, no, it does. Dud and it cleans. Thud dud. Good. It's good cleaner. Yeah, it makes them well. Yep. I was a good cleaner. Yeah, you, you I made cleaned a clean it, spot on the studio it, but floor. It was, <laughs> they don't do a good job cleaning in here, that's sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is the spot still over there? Yeah. Well, there it's you nice go. And, nice and shiny. <laughs> I don't think anybody really. I don't know if anybody really said. I guess I they do. It. Somebody sets there, but yeah, it's kind of yeah. the chair protects it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But this was like, I think because I'm not fully awake, like this was more of a a somber educational. Serious. I'm notes. asleep. I've been up since one something this I know. morning. You so. have a crazy drive to get into the studio. Yeah. I'm just like busy season has started. Oh, no, I bet it has. We're booked all the way through May. 
So uh, that will uh, that's basically that's it. We'll go through and we will hopefully get your bees out there for you next weekend, and we'll do an episode on that. Sounds good. And uh, if not, we'll come up with something else to there talk about. <laughs> and what is this? This this is the high chime. We'll see y'all on the other side. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to The Hive Jive. We appreciate you joining us on our beekeeping adventures. And you can find out more information about today's episode online at thehivejive.com. And as always, thanks for listening.